What's up, everybody? We are here with one of my favorite human beings, one of my teachers, which is awesome when I get to introduce you guys to one of the people who have been a profound influence in my life. So welcome, Anahata Ananda. Thank you. To thank this you, thank podcast. you. And we're going to have some fun. Uh, we always have fun every time we get together. It, you know, whatever we're doing, it's a good time. Yeah. Whether it's healing or awakening or playing, it's always, um, it's always a deep journey. So Indeed. it's a pleasure. So we invited you out here to Austin, first of all, because we love you. But second of all, <laughs> because we wanted to introduce shamanic breathing yeah. to Austin. And that's something that I've been talking about for years now, ever since I did the first one with you and mention it. I mention it in my psychedelic experience uh, mm -hmm. short video. I'm, yeah. I'm always talking about it. But when I first did it, I did it in the midst of a big cleanse. And I think it just became kind of like part of this magic event where my liver was getting cleansed, my psyche was getting worked on, <laughs> I was getting ridiculous massages from Parangi. I met Dr. Dan. It was right. like this momentous thing. So I was like, oh yeah, breathing was a part of this great process. But then I came out and I was part of the first session here that I did it. And then I really realized like, holy shit, the potential that breath has on its own. Because I just got back from you know, three ayahuasca sessions followed yeah. by a bunch of different other medicine journeys. And what I experienced and saw in that shamanic breathing was as profound a healing experience as any ayahuasca experience that right. I've that I've been a part of. I mean, as far as going around the room and, and seeing the results from everybody just from that breath, it was it was incredible. And and same for me. And it seems like it's really one of the most elegant solutions. So I'll, I'll go in a little bit more on that. But why don't you, you know, jump in and you're a master at this art. So <laughs> like you. explain a little bit what it is, you know, imagine that people have no idea what we're talking about and okay. then just take them through it. Okay, so um, shamanic, I like to call it sh shamangelic breathing because that's, that's uh, another twist I like to put on it. Mm -hmm. um, a shamanic ceremony is meant to take you to your edge. It's meant to bring you to that place where there's growth, there's opportunity, there's awakening. And, you know, so I, as a healer, as a counselor, as someone who is devoted and passionate and really excited about helping people move through that transformation as quickly and gracefully and beautifully and, and deep as possible, in all of my training and all of my journals, journeys and travels, I've found that you know shamanic breath work to be a very powerful gateway, efficient and deep and um, effective. And mm -hmm. I, the the part that makes it really shamangelic is that I add very a very personal touch, so that. That's your little, that's that your is, little flavor. That's that your is, little Emerald Lagasse. That's it. Bam! It's like, a little okay, spice to it. Because <laughs> I'm interested in leveling up, you know? Yeah. Like, how, how efficient can we be? How much transformation, how much healing and awakening can happen in the shortest period of time without a lot of repercussions or um, a challenge integrating it? And um, how can it be personal? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, the the breath work is is really if you've never done it before this isn't just deep breathing and this is different than kind of a yogic breath if for those for those yogis out there this is a little bit different than that this is really a deep prana breathing 
inhale and exhales, and you're hyper-oxygenating your body. And uh, you're, you're laying down. And the, and the benefit to that is that it starts to open blockages in the physical body so that it moves toxicity. So that's a benefit. And then it also starts to move emotional density. So when you're breathing that intensely, it can bring up fear, it can bring up anger, it can bring up happiness, it can bring up sadness, it can bring up rage. And so you've got your own tailored therapy session right there, and the breath knows where, where it needs to go. You don't, you don't have to do anything other than just to keep breathing. What I like to add to that is to, is to invite questions that go deep for you personally. If you're afraid of, of relationships, if there's still a pain or a wound there, if there's some block to manifestation or confidence, I, I like to use the breath work to also get at what's underneath that. You know, if there's an old wound, a belief, if there's some contraction, some pain, um, somebody else's energy that is in the space kind of keeping you from really being your fullest potential, I'm interested in going there with the breath. Right. Um, and amazing, amazing experiences happen, as, as you know. And there's no wrong way to experience it because sometimes just deep breathing might create just physical detoxification and that might just be what you, what you need. There's no, that might be amazing, just that. Um, it may provide the safe space to let go of some old oppression or pain or sadness or guilt that hasn't ever had a really um, safe uh, audience to, to kind of hold that and allow it to process. Um, and it also can bring in a lot of truth and a lot of light. It can be very much in this place of euphoric bliss and freedom and expansion and peace maybe that hasn't been experienced before or maybe has been forgotten. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, like all of us understand that, you know, if you're a little stressed out, you take a deep breath, that one, <sighs> right? and instantly you feel something, yeah. right? <laughs> but, but then so few of us have been like, well, what happens if I keep doing that? What if I do it again? What if I do it again <laughs> and then hour. again and then again and then again? <laughs> And this is just that answer of like what happens when you push that yeah. to to the limit, like take breath all the way to <clears throat> to what its capacity is, what its capability is. Yeah. And there's a point at which it becomes genuinely psychedelic. It's yeah. not just like, oh, this is relaxing and I'm able to process things. There's an actual psychedelic experience that starts to happen. Now, I don't know you know, pharmacokinetically what's happening with the hyperoxygenation in the brain, but it feels very much the same as any one of these other medicines. It's basically opening the Venetian blinds to your higher consciousness, right. right? Like allowing more of that to come through. But to me, what's so amazing about it is, and you have some physical sensation, but the physical sensation yeah. is largely somewhat pleasurable. You get like kind of, you get a little, tingly. you get a little tingly, you get a little, this thing called tetany where your fingers kind of Some do, yeah. go sometimes, but it's not unpleasant. I mean, especially when compared to the plant medicine experience, like, like wanting to puke for five hours on ayahuasca or wanting to puke for 25 hours on a boga or something like that. So, and generally it feels kind of good because you got all this oxygen going in your body and you do these breath locks and things. Um, but really, 
eventually you get to a very similar place. Maybe it doesn't have the same fireworks visually, but it's so elegant because it's finding like exactly what you need. And I think when I'm comparing the two, all of these things are shakarunas. They're bridges. Yep. They're bridges to your higher consciousness, right? But with the breathing, it's an air bridge versus these plant bridges. Because some of these plant bridges, you got to contend with the bridge. Like you're putting in a bridge, no doubt, but you got to contend right. with that bridge. And that bridge is a motherfucker sometimes. <laughs> and integrate it. Yeah, and integrate it. So you're dealing with a lot more of something that's not, it, of the bridge that's getting you to your higher consciousness yeah. rather than just the most elegant bridge possible, this air bridge that you're creating, which is, it's, there's nothing there. So you have no bridge to contend with uh, and it's just providing you access to the same thing. So to me, it's really one of the most elegant solutions for that deep healing psychedelic experience. Uh, what I, I, I've, I've studied it in so many different modalities with, with different ways to go about it and, and blending it with different tools. And so I've, I've, it's been a passion of mine to, to look at it and find different modalities and different techniques. And in watching it and how it works, um, what you're talking about it being a psychedelic experience or it can be, um, is that when you're hyper oxygenating the brain, the gateways to consciousness, also known as uh, you know, the pituitary gland, pituitary gland mm -hmm. first for your sixth chakra okay. and then pineal gland for the seventh chakra. So if you're looking at it through that lens of the chakras or the glands, um, those are energy centers. They're also physical parts in the body that need nourishment. And by the shallow breathing that most of us do every day, we don't nourish the pineal and the pituitary glands. Mm -hmm. And those are our sixth and seventh chakras that are the gateways, the natural gateways, without any substance, without any catalyst, we have those channels available to us um, to be that bridge direct between us and consciousness, sure. between us and spirit. What happens, what gets in the way, limiting beliefs, toxicity in the brain, uh, different chemicals and, and toxins that are actually clogging literally physically and you talk a lot about this in in in, in um you know in on it and mm -hmm. different ways that you can nourish those glands so it's a physical thing and it's an energetic thing we don't use those they get atrophied the yogis meditate on the sixth and seventh chakras these two glands to help them awaken and to actually massage them just like the muscle and fitness that you guys are doing here at On It, you've got to use the muscle or it atrophies. The right. same thing with those glands is they atrophy because we're in technology all the time. We're replaying fear programs and limiting beliefs. And so... Watching I Am Caitlin yeah, on television. Right? Right? <laughs> right? And so we're, we're really That actually has been proven to actually shrink it immediately. <laughs> like you can, you, can do a, you can do a PET scan of a brain and your, and your pineal gland shrinks. Time-lapse photography. Yeah, like within that. one hour, no, wow, visibly. You don't immediate. even need tools to measure so, it. Or it's you like, could breath work. Like, it's like 20% it's like <laughs> decrease if you finish the whole show. You know, right? it's, yeah, it's so, not, not exactly science. Right, but, but this is, this is so, so there's, there's some things here just to be aware of, like, well, how do I access these psychedelic, psychedelic states or consciousness states mm -hmm. on my own? And so 
um, mineralizing, which is a lot of the products that you guys have, mineralizing the pineal and the in the pituitary glands are one of those. They like alkaline conditions. They do, and they like minerals. They like alkaline, and so that means calm states. And then the oxygen is, is, is flooding the pineal and the pituitary gland with blood. And so it moves an oxygen. And so it moves out the toxicities. Mm-hmm. Then the, you got to go after all the limiting beliefs too. So, and densities and the emotional imprints, because I like to look at it like a ceiling and a floor that says, you know, uh, you know, I can expand my consciousness, but there's a ceiling to it depending on how much density is pulling me down. Mm, a weight, yeah. Yeah, so that can be unworthiness. That can be uh, I not feeling confident. That can be um, emotional imprints, pain and suffering that have happened as a child. Not feeling safe, being afraid. Um, there's all kinds of different emotional and energetic imprints or blocks. and. It, and this is why I have a whole healing practice devoted to just unlocking and releasing those. Uh, those are also getting in the way of that higher consciousness. So that's why I, I love breath work because if, if in the process we can also direct the breath and the intention to look at those lower, now, we, now we're going down into the lower energy centers of the body and if we look at it through the chakras, where we're not feeling safe, secure, or connected. We have family problems, relationship problems, our inner child is wounded, confidence issues, how we use power, uh, whether we feel worthy, all of those things, how we understand love and the conditions and the walls and the imprints and the pain that are in our heart. All of those things are also blocks to these upper gateways. Yeah. So That's it's such a good metaphor to think of it like a, like a hot air balloon. Right. Like, yeah, imagine that your consciousness exactly. is this hot air balloon <laughs> and then all of those limiting beliefs and densities. Those are like the ropes sandbags, that are holding the basket. Yeah. ropes mm-hmm. and sandbags and weights holding that down. And the breath is then starting to fill up that balloon, you know, that fire, that breath filling up the balloon. And then also at the same time, you're untying these ropes and tossing off extra, extra sandbags. And all of a sudden your consciousness is able to start lifting. You know, and you there'll be do some, both. you got to do both, you know, and that's part of the unpacking process. I remember one of the early times, you know, I had some old family stuff and there was this one sturdy <laughs> crusted rope there, right? It's holding on yeah, really it tight. Was just, it was just like really preventing, you know, my, my, when I try and get the hot air balloon going, it'd start leaning to one side because I got this rope tied to the ground and you just very elegantly, it was just like, well, what about if you looked at it this way? And then it just started to unravel and there it goes you know so much of this is it's not like there's a problem with our hardware you know like there's something wrong with the brain itself or something wrong with our heart very often it's just a belief it's just a belief and if you can unravel that belief and see it a different way look at it from a different perspective that belief changes and then so much else changes right and if we just go about trying to open these upper gateways without releasing and clearing the lower ones, we're going to reach a ceiling mm-hmm. or we're going to start to distort things up here because we say, okay, I can, I can, I can open up these gateways naturally or synthetically, mm-hmm. but that still doesn't address the issue with my dad. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> right. still give me the tools to heal from that breakup. 
you know, I'm still in pain. I still, there, there's, those issues are still there. We might have a, we might have a lighter feeling. We might have seen it from a different angle, but those things that are tethered in there like chains, um, it, it takes a while to undo those. And that's what's nice about the breath work or what I call shamangelic work is because we're working on both ends of the equation at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we go down into whatever's ready because we're not going to want to force something to release. Uh, it's just an invitation that says, okay, well, let's breathe into the pain. You know, yeah. where do you feel alone? Where, where are you sad? Yeah. What is the unworthiness about? And um, breathe, using the breath to actually dive into those feelings and not away from. Because this can be an avoidance thing to, to be up here all the time. Kind of avoiding the earthly reality of I'm having troubles with my partner. Right. Uh, I don't know how to address the sensitive issue. Or I, I, I want to make a job change, but... I don't feel confident, and th those are those are more real issues. And uh, I just I love when a process can go down and start to release the density, but then also bring in more light, mm -hmm. more truth, and start to reconnect you directly to your higher self, directly to your potential. And then we start to unravel the limiting beliefs, and then in its place, now that the ceiling. If, we, if we've gone into the basement and cleared those things out, then that also allows the ceiling of our potential to start to shift. Yeah. And that's where it gets really exciting. Absolutely. I agree <laughs> with you. And I actually think that, you know, one of the reasons why ayahuasca is potentially a powerful tool is it is working on both. Of, when it works well, when it works it's working well. on both of those things. You're actually taking things in your gut, these right. literal densities, right. these Some physical, you know, physical, physical parasites. things that you've been carrying, right? <laughs> yeah. And releasing those physically as well as, you know, expanding with the DMT and all of that. So when it works well, it has these powerful transformations yeah. because it's working on both fronts. However, as mentioned before, you're dealing with a serious bridge, you know, like the yeah. bridge to get you to do that is, is intense, you know, and you have to, you have to contend with the nausea and you contend with the plant and this, you know, the, the practitioner right. and all of these other things. Space, is it held? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, certainly the healing potential is there. I'm, I mean, I've experienced that yeah, myself. Right. But to see how much of that you can get just with the, a good practitioner and good breathing on your own. And, you know, there's no government that can make breathing illegal. Right. <laughs> you right. know, like right. there's there's no way that that, you know, that's ever going to come. So it's cool. It's cool to know that that's always available. Yeah. That's always an option. And it's, you know, now now as a veteran of all of these other things, that's really intensely comforting because yeah. it's it's something that's I would feel comfortable. Like people always ask, are you going to open up this kind of plant medicine center? Like probably not in the states. That's probably a little tricky. Probably not. You know, I mean, maybe yeah. at some point, but this is something that I could unequivocally say, yeah, we yeah. need one of these in every city. You know, just do it. I know you're going to be skeptical. Everybody who I send is going <laughs> right. to be skeptical. You know, they walk in like, what the fuck did Aubrey get? Me? I'm going <laughs> right. to breathe. I mean, my from right. my girlfriend Whitney to like other people. Right. I like, just go, just do it, and then all of a sudden they come back and their eyes are like, ding. Like, whoa, how is that even possible? And in, in, in such a short period of time. Such, yeah, exactly. And uh, that that's 
I think what's exciting is because a lot of our traditional approaches are in linear time. Having a counseling session and we're just talking like this and come back next Wednesday, it's in linear time. And shamanic experience gets you out, can get you out of your body um, in such a way that you can be dealing with something from a past life, you can be dealing from a trauma at two, seven, and 15, 25, and 38, all at the same time. And uh, so then we're not having to actually go back through all of those exact experiences. And it can just be the energy of oppression or uh, um, you know, anger. And we don't have to actually walk through linear time all the way back through every single time we got angry. But it, it's in there. And so if we just let out anger, it doesn't necessarily have to go back to each one of those mm -hmm. experiences. So we can release a lot of pent-up density that's been happening for decades yeah. in five minutes. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> victory. Yeah. You know, because when I first started getting into breath work, there was a lot of rage. There was a lot of anger. From you personally? Me personally. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and I, I had... Um, you know, unresolved issues with where things didn't go the way I wanted them mm -hmm. and where I didn't understand the situation or the surprise pain, you know, uh, or being stabbed in the back or, or just not feeling safe and um, the betrayal or any of those things that we, we all deal with some of that in some way. Yeah. You know, abandonment issues, any of that. Um, and I think that that rage, that anger, not having a safe space to express itself was inhibiting my ability to be more calm, more centered, more conscious in my relationships, in my business. And it's just this underlying nastiness that it doesn't, it's not really who I am. It was just you know, not there is anything wrong with who I am. It was just some programming, some unresolved issues there. And and it felt so liberating to just, ah, you know, just let out rage. Because socially, oh, that's not really acceptable to do for a young lady to be rageful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for women, that is 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 oppressed a lot. And for men, look, don't feel, don't cry, don't admit it, be strong, put it under the carpet, and, and keep moving forward. And so they're, they're often, for men, is not a safe space to feel vulnerable, sad, afraid, um, misunderstood, sensitive. Um, and, you know, we're human. We, we need places, we need safe spaces to be ourselves. Sure. And in our relationships, in our family dynamics at work, that's just not always the case. And so this is, you know, with the right breathwork practitioner, a safe chalice can be created for uh, a person to express those emotions. And, and you see that. I mean, uh, you see all of these <laughs> tough men in these ceremonies, you know, that. they're just like, they've been training it on an academy, <laughs> swinging maces for days and the Viking flows, and they just get in there. And like, and then, yeah, and then just the <laughs> tears just start flowing. You know, it's just these, these emotions that they haven't been able to express. I mean, we go through life armored, you know, yeah. we go, 
so many times the dinosaur approach our own <laughs> horn and yeah. bone and scales and we're like ah look at Masks. look at this and and then but eventually that's heavy you know and it's hiding things and things are festering under our armor and uh you know part of the art is to just start taking that off and realizing realizing our inherent invulnerability as beings of consciousness yes we have a squishy body but that's not what we're protecting in the first place yeah. we're protecting our sensitive soft emotions right. and all of these parts of ourselves and realizing that you know that's going to be okay and we can release some of these things we are, we're worthy of love we don't need to protect ourselves from and largely is oftentimes we're protecting ourselves from our own judge For you know sure. our own critic which is always harsher than the, than the critique of the world. I mean, we say things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else, you know? I mean, how many times do we call ourselves, you stupid piece yeah. of shit. Yeah, oh, you should have you know? done that better. Yeah. You know, yeah, what's you wrong know? with you? We would never say that to our friend, right. like ever, or an employee or anybody. It would be like devastating to say that to somebody, but we say it to ourselves and just accept over it and over. over and over. You know, and that's why we're armoring up so often is our own, our own critique. And yes, maybe we learn that, a little bit from the world, yeah. a little bit from conditional love patterns, but that's life. That's like, that's where, that's where we're at. You know, you know, we're not going to find, I think you sent me something and I don't know if you remember it. If not, maybe we can pull it up, but some piece about the difference between unconditional love and conditional oh, love. Right. Flying, flying in love versus falling in love. Well, not that it was, yeah. uh, we come from unconditional love. Oh, right. Oh yes. That yes. Piece. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, this is where the healing begins is because I, I think we have the expectations that our partner or our parents or our friends should love us unconditionally. Good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> because we weren't raised with unconditional love. That doesn't mean our parents or our love didn't, didn't care and didn't, didn't love us. But they have their own imprints. They have their own disconnections. They have their own programming. They have their own imprints and fears and so they have their own blocks with their and their own agendas and their own limitations and so sometimes they're going to be out of balance and you might need something and if i'm grumpy and tired you might need love from me and i may not be able to give it not that i don't love you and i don't care about you mm -hmm. but it may be beyond my capacity if i'm feeling overwhelmed tired insecure I might lose my job and I'm, I'm stressed and uh, I'm having some physical issues. All of those things, all of those emotional, energetic, spiritual, physical, and mental blocks that everybody has in their own combination, always fluxing and changing, sometimes getting more dense or more light, and it's layers that we peel off. Um, we have this expectation that other people should love us unconditionally and that's the trip right there that's the trip yep. and then if someone doesn't because they're not capable in that moment then i guess i'm unworthy or they're an ass right, 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 right. <laughs> and it's it could be a little bit of both <laughs> yeah. but it, it's like okay well that's beyond their ability right now where can i start loving myself unconditionally at talking about that inner mm -hmm. dialogue you were talking about and where can I access some sort of higher consciousness spirit God angelic universe that does have the ability to love me without condition yeah. that doesn't have agenda that doesn't need anything from me that has my best interest always 
um, at the forefront and doesn't have any limiting beliefs about me. And so there is that disconnection from spirit or source or higher consciousness where I only learn about my worthiness of love or my um, value from other people. And if they're out of balance and can't see my fullest essence, if they can't love themselves and they can't love me, then I'm going to see a very small version of myself mm-hmm. again and again and again. And somebody else's behavior is going to keep reinforcing that. Yeah. So what is, uh, what is empowering about that is the more we start to clear out those limitations and realize, oh, how can I be more centered, more clear, and love myself? And in processes like breath work and other experiences start to soften and 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 dissolve that armor then i can also have greater compassion for someone else that is in pain that is suffering that also has armor up or is being triggered by their own insecurities sure. you know i learned i learned in one of my journeys that one of the big issues with people having that kind of compassion and empathy is when you're in pain and when you're suffering, just like any animal, look at an animal and pain and suffering. It's, you don't want to get near that animal yeah. because it's going to attack you. It doesn't have that capacity. You get very myopic, get very right. like focused on yourself when you're in one of those conditions. And when you're in a state of feeling healthy and feeling loved yourself, then you're able to spill that over. Connected. Yeah. You know, far more. I actually want to get that. I'm going to get that thing and and read it off here. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Here's that piece that you handed me that one day in, in your house by Courtney Walsh. Dear human, you've got it all wrong. You didn't come here to master unconditional love. That is where you came from. And that is where you'll return. You came here to learn personal love universal love, messy love, sweaty love, crazy love, broken love, whole love, infused with divinity, lived through the grace of stumbling, demonstrated through the beauty of messing up often. You didn't come here to be perfect. You already are. You came here to be gorgeously human, flawed and awesome, and then rise again into remembering. Right? I, you know, we're expecting our relationships not to be flawed and messy. And if they're flawed and messy, okay, we just uh, got to throw that one out. Yeah. And um, that disconnection from where we came from, source, spirit, unconditional love, I think we drop in as, as humans expecting that, well, my mom should give it to me. My brother should know how to, how to love me. My, my partner should know. My best friend. And uh, that's, that's not the case. We do our best. And... Sometimes we'll feel more comfortable and, and we'll have those connections with people. Yeah. But they're I, still going to have their things, you know, course. they're still going to have their stuff. Of course. And I think that actually, you know, when, when you look at some of the religions, I have endless criticisms for Christianity as an institution. But the one beautiful thing about it, well, one of the beautiful things is in accessing that kind of concept of Christ, right? You are accessing a, some this metaphor at the very least of what that, universal love and forgiveness would be like you know and some of my you know mystical teachers have talked to me about that and basically you know they can say yeah go show jesus all your demons show him all your demons he's not gonna flinch yeah like he is not gonna flinch the love and forgiveness is gonna be unwavering no matter what you're hiding inside himself he's seen that shit before yeah and it doesn't scare him he's like yeah it does not scare him at all he's not like 
Oh damn! Oh, oh. ouch! Oh, let me check the you hand. Her. Let I'm me check the handbook on that. He's gonna be like, whatever. Right? You know, like I've seen it all, and that's like a beautiful concept to have. Like that is the other side. That is that universal cosmic love. That place that we're all going to. There's no, there's no hell. You know, there's like that's the place we're going to. Yeah, we may have to look back at what we've done, and yeah. we'll be really, really sad if we've you know, made choices that were hurtful to other people, but ultimately we'll be able to turn to that universal love and be redeemed in that, you know, in that forgiveness. And this is not religion talking. This is just my own experience of looking over on the other side and feeling that. Yeah, it's not about whether or not Christ lived or walked on this planet or not, or whether you believe that or not. Uh, I've, I've found that just the example in the ethers there, you know, mm-hmm. in the stories that that, wow, that level of forgiveness when someone's that angry, someone's that intense in your face to want to take your life, forgiving them there, like that, that is really stretching it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so then it gives us something to work for. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a, a and, and it doesn't mean, forgiveness doesn't mean uh, I respect the choice you made, but I respect that, that's where you're coming from. And if it's from a place of ignorance or being out of balance from, from a place of pain, then that's where you are. And that right. can open the compassionate doors. If we're out of balance and triggered and needy and not connected, well, then I'm going to reach for you for that love because I'm not getting it anywhere else. Yeah. And so uh, that, that course, the Conscious Relationships course, talks about that level of self-empowerment and taking care of all of those things more sovereignly because otherwise you're in a codependent relationship with everybody. If I'm out of balance, if I'm disconnected, if I'm wounded, hurt, or insecure, then I'm leaning on you to fix it. Of course that's going to cause conflict, even if you're Mr. Wonderful. Right. You know, of course you're going to fall short in that because it's not your responsibility to fill in all my gaps. And it's creating attachments. And, and, you know. and, and unnecessary tension probably between between two wonderful people, whether that is siblings, whether that's parents and children, whether that's intimate relationships or coworkers, it's unnecessary false debris in the space. Well, imagine, people. I mean, um, one of the ways I like to imagine it is imagine like what you really want is two independent, healthy, thriving people dancing together, <laughs> Ideally, right? Yeah. Dancing. So imagine two healthy people dancing <laughs> together. They have most, they have synergy, they have connection, they have momentum, they're swirling around, they're laughing together. And now when you have attachments where somebody else is providing a vital service for you, either giving you love or giving you happiness or giving you worth or something, that's like you're uh, sharing an organ with them. So all of a sudden you're like Siamese twins or sisters or brothers or whatever, you know, Siamese partners in that. And so you're actually attached through these organs. So, okay, yeah, you can dance a little bit too, but your freedom is going to be limited. And God forbid, if you ever try to extricate from yourself, you're literally pulling different organs out and you're going to be left with not min- diminished capacity, right? You this know, is it's why like, breakups hurt. That's this why is it why hurts breakups so much because we end up getting more and more Siamese yeah. in this kind of, in this action. It's just not, not really the ideal. But all of our songs reinforce that. Like, Baby, all of I'm these, nothing without um, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you know? wait, what? Is that true? <laughs> exactly. Like, you listen to the lyrics of this, and it's like, this is really bad advice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sing ba- this over there's again. There's bad advice everywhere about how much, like, 
I'll die without yeah. you, you know, all of these things. Yeah, it's fine to love someone truly in you know, as deeply as deeply as possible, but you know, be self-sufficient in all of that as well. And it'll just be way more fun. Well, then you're bringing the best, more whole-centered, you know, version of yourself to the relationship instead of expecting that person to to bring your happiness, your validation, and your security and, and love to you. And that doesn't mean you can't still really be in a deeply committed, conscious relationship, but there's a certain level of healthy sovereignty that's, that's you know, ideal for both parties. Um, and it's juicy. And the, the more we can breathe through that negotiations because we're not always going to be our most clear centered sovereign self we're human mm -hmm. you know like that like that says hey it's messy love it's it's confusing love and um to be compassionate with yourself in the process of tripping and falling because you will even with the greatest intentions of i do forever or yes we're going to be bffs best friends forever and yet there's growth or there's expansion and change and what real love does is allow that to happen. Yeah. It doesn't try to grab it. Or whether it's a, it's a parent's love for a child that allows them to walk their own journey without trying to control or manipulate it. Even though there's good intentions, not smothering a soul, trying to keep them from feeling pain or to to direct them in a way that would make you feel proud. That, you know, it's like there's a lot of codependencies there. And, and I have a lot of fun in uh, uh, working with with couples and family dynamics and uh, work dynamics to create more healthy um, For sure. communication and resolving of disagreements. Because no matter what, two, two people are going to have disagreements. No matter if they're soul twin flames, you know, um, or, or twins, uh, or a great conscious couple, there's going to be there's two different souls. And there's going to be times when an issue brings about two different perspectives or two different opinions. And how can we consciously uh, address how to resolve that disparity without stomping out of the room, blaming, getting agitated, hurting each other, um, and uh, getting triggered? Yeah. And so there's the juicy. There's the juiciness. It was, it was funny talking about that. I have an example. So we were watching a little Naked and Afraid yesterday. Uh -huh, that show, uh -huh. and the and there was this the one episode we were watching. There was this group of three people: two men and this female. And they're seriously dehydrated, seriously <laughs> malnourished, right? So the the worst shit is coming out. And she was just trying to like get her point across and be heard. She was having an emotional. She was feeling very emotional. And these and these dummies, you know, had no, <laughs> no no way of dealing with it. This total rational, like, blah, like weren't connecting with her at all. So she loses her shit. She takes their knives and all of their supplies. They have very little stuff anyways. They're <laughs> naked in the bush and runs and throws it in the river. And they're like, ah, what the hell are you doing? Like, And she's like, ah, I had to get your attention. You know, and it's like you see these things like, all right, maybe – it's you know maybe it's not exactly that literal but you see these sabotaging All things like time. oh yeah well i'm gonna I'm stomp gonna do your this. sandcastle yeah, and then i'll we're pull gonna... your hair <laughs> right right and you see that behavior in these relationships all the time from yeah. both sides you know and it's this this funny kind of like 
oh, now this is blown up even bigger because we've starved these people and they're thirsty yeah, right? and they are naked. And it's like all of these fears and, and necessities are coming up. But we have those in, in our relationships all the time. This is how we learned. Right? Most of what, you know, we're in new territory around conscious relationships. We are in totally new territory, meaning that this is not what we were modeled typically by our parents and our grandparents. We were married, we were modeled more codependent unconscious patterns with no disrespect to the generations above us. They didn't have the tools either. Um, and, and this is what they were, that was modeled for them. And it was also coming around scarcity, survival mentality from the generations before us. So that means what we were raised with is a lot of unconscious patterns and a lot of codependent uh, behaviors. Well, we just put it under the carpet. It doesn't, you know, ignore it and, and avoid it. Blame um, and uh, not taking accountability, not li not having listening tools, and not having really conflict resolution processes or practices. So yeah. most of us were raised with that. So. We, if it's drama queen like this, you know, if the drama and if it has worked as a child and, and it has been reinforced because when you go all drama, lay, drama girl on something, it works. Well, then guess what? We have grown people right. doing that. If being, you know, being aggressive and angry gets someone else to back down, guess what? That behavior gets reinforced over and over and over. And so now we have that happening in boardrooms. We have that happening in bedrooms. And so it's not little happening just on the playgrounds now. It's at bigger stakes. And so um, if it's what we've been modeled, it won't take a split second to undo decades of programming. Yeah, It takes, takes some time to kind of identify where's that pattern, where's my trigger, how can I learn something else? Because the greatest intention won't change the behavior if it's, if it's been in there for decades and it's pretty habitual without awareness yeah can't i mean it, there's there's the process of unraveling it but then there's just even the acceptance of the model like yeah, like like yeah. what are we even trying to do here and that's all confused <laughs> and you know i realized that you know when i was working with my partner now of course whitney we realized that the best model we could go off of was a model of mutual altruism mm. right so where we're both in it for each other's best benefit without anything in return now it requires mutual altruism otherwise you're sacrificing indefinitely for someone who's just taking right. you know but if you both have that agreement you know and that's both where you're starting from then you really got something because right. then it's like okay what's best for that human regardless of what i need out of this like what's best for that human that i'm with and then she's thinking well what's best for this human that i'm with and then there is then it gets really juicy that's, like, that's what actual love is right. that says well if it's best for us to transition because you really need to go on this spiritual journey or your your business or your passion is taking you in this direction i, I love you enough to give you the space to honor what you need mm -hmm. and also within that what do i need so that i'm also asking that and i'm sure that i'm taking care of what my passions and my dreams and and my path are so that um that is also not at the expense of someone else and and that we're starting to learn that wow that's that's what love is like for me and it's love, yeah. what love is like for someone else right yeah. um, which is exciting i know it and is. it's scary and it's new. That's what I mean. We're in new territory. It hasn't been modeled. That We're just coming out with 
more authors, more workshops, more courses, more tools because they just they haven't been out there, mm -hmm. and the, the models haven't been there. So, uh, but it's exciting, and there's more more things available. I love yeah. working in this field. There's so much. Just I mean, people are unhappy in relationships. You know, it's just over overwhelmingly they're unhappy, and I think it's because there really aren't like a good friendship. You really want your friend to be happy. Yeah. Like you like, hey, what's gonna be mutually happy? Like, oh, I'll do something for you just to make it happy. But in relationships you get caught in this back and forth. You have deep seated resentment. You have all of these things and it's just there's a new model that needs to develop. And whatever the rules of that model are, you know, whether it's monogamy or not monogamy, the rules don't matter. It's the model that matters. It's the model of saying, Let's do what's best for each other. Yeah. You know, and yeah. let's let's do that out. That's it is true love. You know, asking for I think Cyrano describes it. You know, to to create laughter born of my sacrifice without even being able to hear it. Mm. You know, like that. That's love. You know, and that's what he's doing for Roxanne. He's giving Christian, who's the the, mm -hmm, the handsome mm -hmm. one, all of the words and all of the ability to make Roxanne happy. You know, obviously he's a little deluded in what would actually make her, but he's doing all that out of love for her without even getting any of the reward. Just knowing that that's it's making her happy. That's that's real, real love. Right. You know, and that's that's a great model to start from. It's 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 scary and it's new and it's going to stretch us because if if apologizing or communicating how we feel uh, is not typical that's not what we have a lot of practice with to say hey i'm uncomfortable or i i i want to know how you feel or there's something we need to address and a lot of times we're not very practiced in mm -hmm. in those places of being vulnerable and and uh, being authentic and being honest and uh, putting ourselves out there and loving without conditions and it's like wow I might not get anything back and it's like yeah yeah that's the point yeah <laughs> that you might not and that's why that connection was source so that you, you you know you're not getting nothing here sure. and also that you are developing those relationships where there is some synergy and and respect so that both parties are able to give and um and share and serve each other, but not totally at the expense of self that you're also taking care of yourself in the process. That's important as well. Yeah. yeah you can go across, but it's actually, if you're connected, it's not really possible to do something, you know, out of love for somebody else and not get anything in return. Right. Because at that universal consciousness level, as you're curing or helping or providing love for any corner of that, you're feeling it yourself, the more right. you're connected to the collective. So, you know, and, and also conversely, you know, the, if you do something harmful to any little corner of that collective, you're doing harm to yourself. Like, right. it's just a matter of expanding our idea of who we are to, yes, all right, we are this person, but we're also all the persons and also all of the creation. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting um, in what you were talking about earlier about the self-love piece is that if I'm not honoring myself, if I'm not taking care of myself, then I don't have as much to give. And so that, that self-care piece is really important so that, that you're able to give from a place of a full cup. Mm -hmm. Where it's really detrimental to the soul essence is when I'm taking care and giving to everybody else 
and I'm depleting myself at the same time. And I see that a lot, a lot of enabling patterns because everybody's receiving their validation from giving and taking care uh, at the church and taking care, they're a nurse and they're also have two children and they're taking care of their mother and, and, um, and their neighbor and they're not loving enough to take care of themselves. And so there's, there is a hiccup there to be aware of so that you're putting yourself in the mix so that you're coming from a, from a full, from a full cup mm -hmm. and then can give that overflow with such ease and grace and, and, um, and keep giving in a way that doesn't need, need that in return because there's an emptiness. It's like, yeah. oh, no, I'm already full. I got extra. I'm good. And that's, that's the really juicy, healthy place to give from. hundred percent. And when, so concerning self-love as, as deep as I've gone to try and track where the main blockages are, the, it's not a matter of like finding the love. The love is there. But what happens is, is our internal judge tells us that we're not worthy of it, that exactly. we don't deserve it. Right. Cause it's not like, oh man, I got to find more love and bring it. You got infinite love there. Right. But we just have a filter. We have a filter in place and that filter is you're not worthy of that you don't deserve that love you haven't been good enough you mm -hmm. haven't performed good enough you're not this enough you know and that's the thing to start you gotta you gotta attack that filter or attack it with love but you know <laughs> but but you got it that's that's what's really preventing it and so you know going into those like i think that's why the ha'aponopono hawaiian right, philosophy right. is so valuable it's just this radical forgiveness of every aspect of anything that you've been in this acknowledgement that we are worthy of love no matter what we've done no matter who we are or where we've been or what's going on that's not the way to punish yourself that's not the way to course correct is to withdraw that love you need that love to be able to be that person that you want to be it's like the necessary fuel it's like being mad at a car for not running yeah. and <laughs> giving it down. no gas <laughs> right. you're like i'm going to give fault. you no gas but you got to win this race yeah. You know, right. like, what the fuck? You yeah, got to give it gas and then yeah. it'll win the race. And that, yeah. that, that unworthiness has come from a lot of the reinforced conditional love from childhood. Yeah. I only love you when you make me proud. I only love you when you do what well, I look, want you like, to do. Like a father after, a, after you play a sport, you know, like my, you know, <laughs> my dad had a great dad. But, you know, if I, if I lit, the, lit the fucking court up and scored 30 points, Yay! just naturally when he gave More me a excitement. hug at the end of the game, it was like, yes. And then I was like, yes. I guess I'm good. Yeah. And then, if, you know, five turnovers and five, two, yeah, for, well. two for eight from the field, one for 10 from the field. You know, it's like, oh, nice no, job. No milkshake, nice no milkshake job. for pat, you. Pat on the back. <laughs> it, but he wasn't even trying to yeah. do that. It was just this natural, this natural thing where people get high. They get high and full of all of this when things are good and then they get low and down when things are not and you internalize that it's conditional you know? based on achievement right and that that there's a lot of that that's why i like to work with parents and and children you know and family dynamics because then we start getting at that at a younger age so that the children are not getting that programming from the beginning and they don't mm -hmm. have to undo it like so many of us adults are having to undo that weight I am worthy, although I may be different or doing it different than the way my parents may want me to. This is who I am. And that's that the that's the solar plexus coming into sovereignty, your own star, your own light. 
um, your own truth and being able to stand in that and not needing for external validation or approval. And that's where the confidence comes in and the worthiness comes in when we unprogram uh, all of that conditioning that mm. is more um, only when you, and, and, and most, most relationships are like that. I, I love you only when you love me back. I, I love you only when you um, do what I want you to do. Right. I love you only when you hear me. I only love you when you give me what I need, um, validate me, support me, and that's a lot for somebody else to be doing. And uh, so, of course, there's going to be disappointments there. And it's, it's delicious to be able to step into this place that says, wow, I, I can love me even if that's beyond someone's capacity. Okay. And since I've been in that painful place, I can also have compassion for where somebody else is not quite able to do that. I, there's this, in, um, in Buddhism, there's a, a practice called bodhicitta, and the Buddha sitting in the field of flowers, just in total peace, total serenity. And yet on the hillside, 360 degrees, warriors poised with arrows, daggers, weapons of all kinds in 360 degrees all around him. And he's just in peace. And, he's, and, and it's impossible for him to get up and defend himself 360 degrees being completely outnumbered, no matter how much of a Jedi master he may be. Mm -hmm. um, it is more about understanding that if anyone is throwing a dagger, it's, it's from their own pain and suffering. It's from their own disconnectedness from their own divinity, their own grace, their own love, their own consciousness. And the dagger that's coming is not towards you. It's from them. And it, they're giving you, it's giving you a clue about what's going on inside that person. If they're throwing a dagger, it's because that's what they feel inside. Yeah. And so to sit in bodhicitta is to sit in the presence of someone's you know, chaos, anger, pain, and suffering and turn it into a flower. Not take it personally which most of us do, not get up and try to defend to a, defend it, which most of us do, not throw a dagger back, which most of us do, mm -hmm. not let it get it off, get us off our center, you know, so get triggered by it, so that the rest of it, that's pretty much most of us are having some response that I have to take it personally or, or that it belongs to me or I have to fix it. Yeah. And... The Buddha knows that this is not my creation. My creation is a field of flowers. So even if someone is angry or in pain or blaming me for something I didn't create, or angry or out of balance or emotionally upset, that that's where they are and they have the right to be that. And let me send back a flower in its place. And the arrow or the dagger that they send my way, it's not mine. I'm going to turn it into a flower because this is my creation. This is my world. And I choose peace. And that, that kind of like the Christ consciousness metaphor has been a really beautiful tool that says, wow, how can I be that in the presence of someone's rage right in my face, like being a tiger right in my face, wanting to voraciously throw their daggers at me as if they're mine? How can I stay in a bodhicitta presence of mind and send back a flower and not yeah. get triggered, not fix it, not defend, not throw a dagger back, which I'm still working on that. <laughs> well, that's true <laughs> mastery. mastery. <laughs> yeah, that's true mastery. And it also doesn't mean that if you're with some cantankerous arrow slinging that dagger throwing, that you can't, throwing, move that you can't just way. say, 
thanks. You know, yeah, I appreciate I, that, but I'm out. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with that all the time, yeah. you know, for sure. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've always said that you really, the only act, the only accurate response, even if someone breaks, like, let's say someone broke into my house with murderous mm -hmm. intent, you know, I would, if I had to take the gun and I would shoot him, but I wouldn't shoot him out of anger. Hopefully, like I would shoot him just out of pity. Like that's the only proper response. Like, mm. I'm sorry that whatever in your life drove you to this, created this situation. I know that your higher consciousness is weeping that's for right. this action that you take. doesn't mean I'm not going to defend myself. doesn't mean I'm going to sacrifice my sovereignty, right. you know, to allow you to play this karma out. I will stop you, you know, but the, the, but the response shouldn't be anger. It should only be, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry for you deeply. But I can't allow you to. I yeah, can't allow is, you. This is why we to, have laws. Right. This is that, that says you, you don't you, you don't get to take another's life. You know that's not okay. This is why we have, um, you know, prisons saying if that's going to be your choice, we're going to move you over here because that's not a safe choice for the rest of the you know for the for the rest of us. Except the prison system, it's, it's all about all revenge. About. It's all about retribution. You did this, so this is your punishment. It's not coming from this. Wow, you're really. You've, you know, you must be really suffering. It's it's you know? it's a system that we we just we we are working on the tools then to say how how can there be rehabilitation for for people that have have gone to that extreme? But it starts here now sure. with us, you know, individually to let go of those densities that would get so reinforced that would 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 lead to that lead to these mass yeah. delusions. Yeah, yeah. and so. Um, it, all of us are capable of of that when when out of balance, insecure, enough pain, enough enough oppression, oppression, um, you know, not unlike a a, a, a rattlesnake is going to defend itself, but otherwise it's quite a peaceful creature. Mm -hmm. You know, backed into a corner, a scorpion will sting, and we're all capable of that. It's it's our instinct for survival. Sure, and so. Um, that just shows us that the, the prison system is, is an indication of a much, much deeper symptomatic issue that when we start doing this kind of healing one-on-one, -on -one, then that ripples out. And it starts to mitigate those things from happening in the mm -hmm. first place. Preventative medicine is exactly, the best medicine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so that takes some time. You know, those models have been re reinforced and, and uh, people that have been hurt are hurting other people and that cycle is happening. And now with what we're doing and with what many, many people are doing out there that are part of this conscious wave of saying, let's put down the weapons, let's put down the armor and you know, enough already. Let's, let's uh, open up the hearts. Let's allow each other the space to, to heal. And um, it's an exciting, it's a real exciting wave to be um, a part of and mm. contributing to and I, I absolutely love what I do and the masses are awakening I mean truck drivers from Alabama the Bible Belt we've got you know people in their 80s people in their teens are asking deep soulful questions and that just gets me all jazzed because yeah. if if we have the masses waking up then the potential for for healing big issues like those social issues that you're talking about um are possible I and agree. quick 
it can happen very quickly when someone's motivated to change and they're ready. It can't really happen with force, but when someone's ready and they're fertile, change can happen quickly and effortlessly and beautifully. And there's a lot more tools now than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I, I really celebrate that. I agree. And speaking of one of those tools, before we wrap up here, I want to touch on another one of your mastery tools, which is guided meditation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in your process, you know, your meditations are, they don't have a lot of the mechanics of a traditional meditation. It's very much visualization based, but nonetheless, it gets to an incredibly deep level, even yeah. when, when in person, obviously, is incredible as well. But I've also, you know, talked about your animal wisdom meditation uh-huh, uh-huh. from an old CD yeah. that you have. And so just talk to us a little bit about you know, that process, how you kind of developed it and, okay, cool. and how you bring it about. Um, I, uh, just a little history. I, I, I run a shamanjelic healing center in Sedona and it's because it's my passion. Shamanjelic healing, using tools to kind of clear out the density and bring in more light and the medicine bag, you know, the tool bag of all of these different approaches and practices has just been getting bigger and bigger over the years. And the more I clear and awaken, the more intuitive guidance comes in. Mm-hmm. More things that are, are are things that I have never learned but are in the collective for me to access um, or for me to, to just channel directly when I get out of the way. When those pineal and pituitary gland is open, then when I'm working with a one-on-one client, and I'm, I'm reading intuitively and with spirit guidance what's really going on with them. And uh, when we go into the healing room one-on-one, then the perfect guided visualization, sound, touch, scent, whatever is needed, just kind of happens and I get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's delicious because these are not anything that it was, was taught to me. And it's just so fun to, to be in that journey with someone. Uh, and if someone is really needing to calm and center, maybe it'll be that we go to this meadow and they, they're a deer. And they're just, they're at peace. They're just eating the sweetest grass. <laughs> by their favorite river and they're free and able to move if they need to, but they're not in a state of agitation. Their ears are flickering because they are constantly listening if they need to move. But until they get that signal, they're completely at peace and they can just enjoy and they and they're aware of the flowers they're aware of the butterflies they're aware of the sun and maybe that is a visualization that somebody may be calling forth because they're in a stress mode or they don't trust their instincts um maybe it's maybe it is a tree that we go and be with about being rooted and grounded and offering your fruits and your a service to the community and how do we how do we use tree medicine to get grounded and solid and connected to the heavens for everything you need so that then your fruits you know as a soul what you came here to offer to the collective to the community gets birthed um 
maybe that's going into the womb. And, you know, for a, for a lot of my clients that say, oh, well, I was adopted or my parents didn't want me or, you know, some disconnect about their birth process, then, you know, I'll take them back into the womb and connect with that primal life force that says, well, I don't care if my mom is on crack and if my dad, don't know who my dad is, I know who my dad is, mm -hmm. or if they don't want me, or if they wanted a boy, or, you know, they didn't plan me, I do, I want me, and my life force is stronger, and it trumped everybody else, or else they wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And so, the visualizations tend to come in based on intuitively reading what's unique in what they're going through, and what energetic, visual, visceral experience will help to shift that density and change their perspective. Mm -hmm. So the one-on-one -on -one, um, journeys are just super yummy because it's it, it so much can shift in a short period of time. I I had so many clients asking to have meditations recorded that years ago I decided, okay, I'll just get into a studio and record some, and I recorded one. The CD's called Coming Home. And uh, one of them is a guided visualization through the chakras, you yep. know, that I've just kind of says, okay, here's the colors and the issues. And it's just kind of walks you through breathing color and energy into each of the chakras. And it's a little light body clearing and activation. And it takes 15 minutes or something. And it can be done in the morning or done at night. It's very passive. And you get to experience that. The animal journey that you love is kind of like a shamanic animal journey that takes you to a place in nature and allows an animal to present itself to you. And when I was learning this technique, um, actually from Michael Harner, uh, author of The Way of a Shaman, and, uh, you know, I was all ready to go and journey with a wild Mustang, you know, with black hair, mane, you know, like running across a wild <laughs> field and... You know, we were about to do this journey, and and he says, uh, and how many of you have picked your animal already? I'm like, oh, me, I have. And he's like, don't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, bugger. <laughs> he's like, your animal is here to pick you. You know, and the guy next to me, he had picked his too. You know, oh, you know, I want to be this bear or something like that. And that's what I thought I needed. Medicine leaves you more whole. It's not always the medicine you want. It's not always tastes great. It's not always what you think you need. But a medicine is what will help bring you back into balance and it will leave you more whole. So that day I needed an elk that wasn't running at all, but it was just yeah. still. Um, so I, had, I had the same experience. I thought I was about to do your animal wisdom. I was like, animal wisdom, awesome. Yeah. Totally talking to a dragon. <laughs> Definitely dragon. Yes, yeah, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. And then I, get, I got to this, you know, you go through and you go to this serene place in nature. And I have a special place that I go to all, usually anyways. And I go there and I'm looking in the sky waiting for a roar or something. <laughs> yeah, some like where's the pterodactyl? beast to come out. And there's just this bunny in the grass there. There's a little bunny in the grass. And I'm like, yeah, got that bunny, but I'm just waiting for my where's animal. Where's my real, <laughs> yeah. where's the animal? And nothing would come. And I'd even try and force it. And anything I would imagine would just splash as like a cartoon with like big weird eyes. Like, yeah. like come on. I was like, finally. Barney just, the dragon. Yeah, Barney the dragon. <laughs> And just full flat 2D, you know? Mm -hmm. And eventually I just was like, all right, bunny, it's bunny. You know, surrendered to bunny medicine. And it's still one of the most profound teachings I've ever gotten. 
you know, about, you know, rabbit medicine. Right. And so really, really cool. I, I write that up in, uh, in my blog. So if anybody's curious, they can yeah. go to AubreyMarcus.com, read it. Yeah, the, the, uh, I teach a whole course on shamanic wisdom teachings, and we talk about using um, animals as, as, as medicine teachers because each animal has its primal instincts. It has its natural wisdom coded into it. Whether it's an earthworm, a bunny rabbit, a, an alligator, a mosquito, mm -hmm. um, a pterodactyl. I've had pterodactyl before, um, dolphin, they, a spider. They're all, they all have different wisdom. And for where you are in your life, there might just be some little piece, some little pearl that that animal can bring to you. And bunny rabbit's got two big ears. It's like, hey, listen. Mm -hmm. Listen before leaping, you know? You can move quick, but if you don't listen, you'll jump right into the coyote den, <laughs> you know? And um, so other teachings are really valuable. And, and one of the guided meditations is about um, roots. That There's a tree meditation on there. Mm -hmm. And utilizing animal or, or nature wisdom teachers, whether that's river or mountain or tree, um, to kind of be with the personality and the ancient wisdom of of those nature teachers because they have profound profound insight and wisdom can be extracted just by sitting quietly with the medicine the wisdom of that uh that being yeah and uh you know the natives knew that Mo most of the tribal cultures know that and we've kind of separated from that as we've gone into high rises and cars and shoes that keep us disconnected and we're no longer listening to the moon, uh, you know, or listening to the, watching the, the moon move across the sky and, and being with the stars and connecting with fresh air. So the, the shamanic wisdom teachings a uh, couple days is really fun because we get to reconnect and reestablish that wisdom yeah so let people know as we wrap this up here cool. let people know where they can find you all the social the website the different courses in person that you got coming on um well uh, first of all if you found this podcast and you have gone all the way to the end that's that's no coincidence you're here we're here I'm looking at you, Aubrey's looking at you because there's something powerful about this connection that you already know. And so know that I'm here, Aubrey's here to help you awaken, to help you learn and grow and heal in whatever way is in the highest alignment because that's my dharma and dharma means that is my sole purpose and passion. I run a shamanjelic healing center in Sedona, Arizona. It's profound and it's in, and the energy there is just incredible. So come visit me there. Shamanjelichealing.com is where you can find me. There's retreats, there's courses, there's private journeys, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or with a partner or friend or family. Um, so that can be really tailored to whatever deep soul healing and awakening you need. Uh, I'm absolutely devoted to that. And uh, there's also online courses because a lot of people say, hey, I can't get to Sedona right now. I'm busy with work and so on and so forth. There's a few online courses and I also do phone counseling. All of that's on shamanjelichealing.com or shamanjelic retreats. 
and uh, come and do breath work with me and um, know that you matter. You matter absolutely to me. And if you've found this and you're looking in my eyes. Or listening. Or listening. Um, I'm here and we will connect. Uh, we will meet each other. Whether that's in online and you read some article uh, or, or, or listening to another recording or a, or a beautiful video or in person. Uh, this is the beginning of a relationship that will have a deep, profound effect on your life. And that excites me. That's, Beautiful. That excites me. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about a lot of the different flashy, exciting journeys that I've been on. But if you're just going for straight up, let's get well, let's get to be the best person possible, then I highly recommend, you know, the breath work and checking out some of the stuff that Anahata's done. I wouldn't be the same human being that I am Aww. if it wasn't for you. So You're I sweet. deeply appreciate that. And uh, we'll try to get some stuff up on AubreyMarcus.com. Maybe, you know, since we talked about that, uh, all those meditations you already have, maybe yeah. we'll work something out to get some oh, digital absolutely. downloads of that sure. CD and we'll sort it out. So totally. anyways, Anahata, it's been great oh, having you out here in Austin okay. in our home. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning it's in. It's a pleasure. Love this guy, right? <laughs> he is, keep following. He's doing the right things for the right reasons with the right integrity. He's, He's the man and a dear friend, and yeah, I would not be that. who I am without your influence <laughs> and your inspiration to keep expanding and keep growing. Too kind. So Too kind. Keep it up. Mad love all around. Blessings. See ya. <laughs>